Let's bring in Jeffrey Kleintop joining me, the Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. Keyword global there. The Bank of England also doing 75. How does that factor into this, Jeff? They did the exact opposite of what Powell did. They said, oh, that trajectory market you think we're headed towards, we're never going to get there. We're going to come in much below that. So mm. actually, much more dovish hike from the Bank of England. Pretty wow. interesting, one of the reasons why the pound is plunging versus the dollar today. Oh. We also heard from Norway's central bank. They only did 25 instead of the expected 50 and indicated they might even be done. So we're hearing more from other central banks as we heard last week from the Bank of Canada. We heard from the Reserve Bank of Australia. They are, I don't know if it's a pivot, let's call it a step down in terms of where they're headed and the pace at which they're getting there, very much in contrast with what we're hearing from the Fed. So the Bank of England's done eight now, uh, and 75 bips, they're at about, what, uh, 3%? That's right. Um, which is very, very high for them. Sure. But it's an important point that you're making that's showing up in the pound, that that level, even though it's going to you know, make headlines because it's a 30-year high, is still representing some potential acknowledgement that maybe they've uh, stepped a little too hard on their bond market? Yeah, well, they believe that the recession that would come along with getting rates to four or five percent would be way too, way too steep for what they're what they could politically tolerate, I suppose. Mm. And so the result is that they're not going to go that far. Now, they don't know. No one really knows, right? The outlook for inflation is still somewhat murky. But that's the idea, that we're seeing maybe a dovish shift here by a number of the world's major central banks. Bank of Canada was the first that kind of had that surprise. They went, uh, you know, they downshifted to 50 from 75, uh, signaling that uh, they also, too, maybe are uh, sensitive, aware. Now, here, could we argue that uh, some of the similar dynamics could justify Jay Powell in uh, following suit? I mean, he kind of did. He said we could do 50 by the end of the year, but the market apparently hates it anyway. So how do we make sense of that when it seems like we're getting a little bit of a tone shift? I guess it's just still too much pressure for overall risk assets. It's this, it's this dual mandate, right? So the Fed is looking at inflation and putting the emphasis on that. I think the other central banks are putting the emphasis on the labor market and the economic slowdown. They're seeing a very pronounced slowdown, not a deep recession yet. We still got positive third quarter GDP in Europe, even in the UK, but it's slowing. And they're focused on that. J-PAL doesn't have that luxury. He's focused on these inflation numbers remaining too high. He doesn't want to signal any kind of dovish pivot before he starts to see that come down in a more material way. Yesterday, uh, I keep referencing our conversation uh, with the CIO at T. Rowe Price, uh, uh, Sebastian Page, because when he talked about the last stage of the bear market, he'd be looking for liquidity type of crisis, liquidity crunch. Obviously, Bank of England is seeing that front and center with what happened in their bond market. So one of the conclusions there is that we have to watch England as a potential kind of petri dish for some of the problems. What do you think about that thesis? Well, I think it's a reasonable thesis. We often see these, uh, when liquidity starts to go out, we see some kind of crisis. And we've certainly seen that in the UK pension market, but I haven't seen that in a lot of other places yet. Even in like Chinese property bonds, like they've come down, but there's still some liquidity there. So it's interesting. We haven't seen that kind of drain. Obviously it's affected uh, areas driven by liquidity, like the meme stocks and NFTs and crypto, but we haven't really seen it affect traditional assets assets in developed markets outside the UK in, in a more direct way. Maybe that's what we need to see as we move through this bottoming process. Maybe that's the punctuation point that gets us to the bottom. And you're right, we haven't really seen that yet. So it's uh, right now a UK problem, basically what they're dealing with. So if their reticence to hike more or to a higher terminal rate 
is because of problems that maybe are specific to them right now. Do we have to keep up that wall in our analysis between what's going on there and what's going on here until we get our own treasury blow up again? I don't know, because what we're seeing in, in Canada is not the same. We're not seeing the liquidity crisis in Canada. They're slowing. We're okay. not seeing that in yeah. Australia. Uh, we're not seeing that in, uh, you know, even the European Central Bank talked about maybe a slower pace of rate hikes going forward, uh, and maybe the terminal rate wasn't as high. So, and we're not seeing those same types of things there. So no, I, I think we're generally seeing more of a, a step down around the world. I think we'll hear more of that from the Fed, but maybe beyond December, they're just not there yet because the inflation numbers remain stubbornly high. Arguably, all of this, we should just be talking about the dollar because it takes all of that information and basically puts it to a punctuation and a point, and that dollar point has been going higher. We had a few weeks there where it kind of cooled off a little bit. Now it's bouncing. Walk me through what you're thinking here when it comes to the greenback because it looked like we got some relief in October. Calmed down a bit. We see we're still below the highs, but it's warming up again. How is that happening even with this kind of dovish downshift in some ways? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, it, so we're probably not yet maybe to the peak of dollar strike because of that relative momentum in the U.S. and what the Fed's communicating versus the rest of the world. One of the ways that it's showing up is in international performance. So I think it was on the 27th that the dollar peaked out, began to come down. And at that point, September 27th to now, we've seen international markets outperform. But now as the dollar's strengthening again, that might erode some of that performance. One of the unique things is the UK market, as we've gone through the earnings season, the dollar's been a big issue for so many companies. In the UK, companies there actually get more of their revenues in dollars than they do in pounds. It's a unique case. You've got Shell, BP, right, a lot of dollar-denominated uh, oil profits. And the consequence of that is profits are up 40% this year for UK companies because of the dollar, in, well, at least in large part because of the dollar. And a big part of the, the energy companies contributing to that, yeah. right? So it's like a double whammy. You got energy and the dollar really lifting. So despite the troubles in the UK economy, concerns about liquidity, the pension situation, the stocks are doing great. The FTSE is only down, what, two, three percent this year, wow. uh, despite uh, all the challenges facing the economy, because that earnings picture is very different. Incredible. That's where studying matters, right? Because those specific things, which you bring us constantly, which is why it's very helpful to keep those um, dynamics in mind. Um, too, too much macro, and you kind of miss some of those uh, nuances. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, the last thing I want to talk to you about is one of the charts you, you've brought to us a lot basically shows, we don't have it today, but basically shows PMIs and it shows earnings. Yeah. And we expect earnings to fall with the PMIs. Uh, so with the deterioration of PMIs, but then some of that kind of strength uh, lingering in the, the British economy earnings, where are we in that relationship right now? Do we need to see more global earnings deteriorate to get in line with PMIs, or how does that sit right now? I think we do. So we generally, it's like a three to six month leading relationship. So I think we're probably going to look to see year-over-year -year declines in global profits, like the MSCI World Index, which is, which is everybody, including the U.S., probably modest declines as we look out to Q1 and Q2. Right now, the market's expecting, or I shouldn't say the market, analysts are expecting slight gains there. I think the market's gotten this idea that we're probably going to see a lower point in earnings as these revisions continue to come down. CEO confidence is really very negative, and that's usually a pretty good indicator that guidance is going to come down. Analysts aren't quite there yet, so I think there's some risk here as we move through the remainder of this earnings season here as they take down the bar. All right, great stuff. Uh, great connecting of the dots around the world as you always do for us. Jeff, appreciate it. Great, great to see to you. Great to be here with you. Absolutely. Jeff Klein, top is the chief global strategist at Charles Schwab.